Welcome to the Silence and Shame podcast. Um, this is your girl, Shanti Doss, the host. And of course, we have our amazing co-host, Free the Vision. Hey, Free. What up? How are you? I'm good, Shanti. How you feeling? I'm good. Episode 43. I know some of our latest ones have been, you know, more um, like webinars that we turned into podcasts, but it's all good content. But you're going to be hearing a lot more from Free and I, because I know y'all miss hearing our voices, so. We're going to be doing more coming up and a lot of great things planned for, for this year. And I'm really, really excited about today. Um, we have our resident clinician, as we like to call him, Dr. Vaughn Gay on the line with us. Hi, Dr. Gay. Good to be here once again, Shanti Free. Appreciate you all having me on this episode. Of oh, course, yeah. you just had a big uh, celebration. You got engaged. Oh, yeah. This has the been practice a, uh, is booming. I mean, God, is this is your year of harvest, young man. It's been a, uh, mm-hmm. been a blessing. It's been a wild ride, too. You know, um, you know, celebration after celebration. But lots of hard work went into a lot of those things behind the scenes over the last couple of years. So uh, we definitely are reaping those rewards now. And y'all, guess what? Vaughn was the 2020 Silence of Shame committee member. Woo! And the crowd goes wild. Hey, we just want to publicly again thank you for all that you do for our community and for our organization. You are a valuable asset to the work that we do. So thank you again. Thank you. I appreciate it. And then free, I'm gonna let you introduce your our next guest, which is one of your close homies, but is always a big supporter of Silence of Shame. And we just really appreciate, you know, Carrie, all that he's done and and continues to do for us. But I'll let you do the intro because I'm sure you can do it more justice than me. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is my man's. Um, first of all, thank you, bro, for um, coming on the episode and even doing this with us. But uh, Carrie and I have been friends for uh, it's a long time now. It's almost like seven, eight years. Uh, and we've gone through the hustle together towards our careers. Um, and, and Carrie has seen a lot of success in his marketing expertise. And, and that position has now landed him um a, a great position over at sony music too that um i'll let him tell that fancy title that they threw him and um you know i, I had to bring him in because i knew that he understood this topic specifically and i think that we experienced this topic and our um and our growth and our growth to getting where we wanted to go so this is carrie abner thank you for being here and always supporting us bro and, and I knew that you would be perfect for this. So thank you for doing this and taking the time. Oh, yeah, 100%, man. I'm excited for this conversation. It's definitely something I feel like we understand and from a personal experience perspective. So I'm excited mm-hmm. to be and here, what, man. Thank and you. And what's your title at Sony, my, my friend? I do global marketing for uh, hip hop and R&B, specifically uh, catalog, though. Um, so I'm, I get the opportunity to revisit and reimagine these iconic albums that we grew up on in the in the you know late 80s 90s 2000s and and take those assets video audio photo anything like that and kind of just rejigger them for the digital and social media space so it's a lot of fun mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's have incredible whole, have a whole conversation <laughs> that boy said mm-hmm. that, right? <laughs> 
Yeah, 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 yeah. We talk, we talking that NFT talk right now. Yeah, exactly. I love okay. it. I love it. Well, let, let let's jump right in. I'm just gonna read what Google says, and then we're gonna let Vaughn kind of give us an idea from a clinical perspective of what imposter syndrome is. So, according to Google, imposter syndrome is loosely defined as doubting your abilities and feeling like a fraud. It disproportionately affects high achieving people who find it difficult to accept their accomplishments. Many question whether they're deserving of accolades or not. I know I haven't been through this, but t tell us, Dr. Gay, like from a clinical perspective, what is it? How does it make us feel? Is it real? Is it a thing? What are we talking about? Well, it's a very real thing that a lot of people actually deal with. Uh, it's one of those things that people deal with in silence uh, that kind of goes on in, in our minds, right? Um, it's not a clinical diagnosis. So imposter syndrome is not something that is uh, seen as a true clinical mental illness. But it is something that, is, as you just stated, it's like a, a loose understanding or belief that regardless of what situation that you're in or regardless how prepared you are or what abilities you bring to the table, you're just simply not good enough. And it's typically been reinforced um, maybe through relationships or experiences at a young age, um, maybe being rejected or not chosen for something that you really want to work towards, maybe not being uh, part of the in crowd or, or being welcomed or invited into certain spaces. And so the idea that you're not valuable enough or that you may not necessarily be able to uh, reach the standard of what it is that you're pursuing, uh, you know, creates that, that sense of not being able to belong or not. Uh, you know, if you are successful, it's due to someone else or any external factors as opposed to you just being good enough. So that's kind of when we're talking about those that um, experience this, it's kind of in that space. Uh, typically, you know, as you stated, uh, it's around uh, high achieving individuals or those that are in those spaces that are in the limelight, right? So your athletes, your celebrities, um, those that have become uh, influencers on social media, you will see a lot of that now imposter syndrome and how having to stay in a certain space to keep the followers and keep the engagement up uh, takes people away from who they naturally are as individuals. So uh, just kind of like a general idea of what we're looking at from a, a couple of different angles. You know, I think it's important when you think about it, like, because I'm just looking at imposter syndrome.com and they, they talk about some of the, um, you know, the ways or steps that people can take, right, to break through it. One of their recommendations was, um, you know, faking it till you make it, right? So did, <laughs> and I'm like, I know we do that in music and we talk a lot about that in entertainment, but if you're not careful with that, right? I think it could lead to anxiety and stress mm -hmm. and depression and, and, you know, a mental health challenge. So you gotta mm -hmm. be real careful when you talk about it. Um, Carrie, kind of talk to us about, your first experiences with it and then free if you've ever experienced it you know what do you guys think okay my first experience with imposter syndrome really came from my position over at sony um i had no previous experience in the music industry necessarily so my idea of what it was like to work in the music industry was completely different than what I was experiencing in, in real time. And I think the the big hurdle in between those two those two ideologies was completely um it was just like a culture shock to me, so to speak. It was a big culture shock and it 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 had me believing that all that work I had done up until that point wasn't worthy of what this position was asking me to do. And because I had a different 
perspective in my mind of what that position looks like, it really kind of had me, it was an inequity. It was an inequity of what my experience was and then what my, what my, what I thought was, it was supposed to feel like. Mm-hmm. So kind of like that classic, um, I guess, uh, experiences versus expectations. So you were thinking it was going to be one thing for the expectation, but then your real life experiences weren't necessarily like kind of aligned with that. Yeah. 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 It was definitely different. So- it was a, it, I agree. What I caught you saying is that how it was an imbalance between what you expected it to be and what you ended up experiencing for from it and thinking, you know, basically being good enough with what you've done so far to actually be counted as, you know, the person in this position. And right. I can say, yeah, I, I can say that I experienced the same thing. I'll be honest, for me, it took for me working with Shanti and Shanti's actual background to learn that what I was doing was of not only value, but that it was, um, that it had a title and like where those titles kind of would be placed. So when I would do certain things, Shanti's like, yeah, well, you know, labels or whoever, you know, there's different spaces in entertainment that need these services and that's marketing or that is, you know, that's actually a discipline of PR when you're doing that and connecting those dots. So that's this, this, and this. And it took her to kind of put a label and framing around it for me to understand exactly what I was doing. And so I never really knew to, I never knew how to charge for it because I didn't know its value. So I always felt like I needed to do things kind of for free because no pun intended, but I always felt like I had to for real because I didn't think that what I was doing um, that I was good at, I don't know, you know what I mean? Like, or it was good enough to charge for it, or like it was, you know, or while I'm in this position that I'm just grateful to be in the room or I'm just grateful to be in the space or in the door. And so I didn't know how to kind of like value myself in that. And it felt like every time that I would be getting paid or every time that I would be getting that opportunity that like, I was waiting for someone to catch me. You know what I mean? Like I was waiting for someone to like, kind of be like, oh, this man, you know, he doesn't know what he's doing. (laughs) And I think that because I was feeling like that the whole time, I always undervalued myself. And I've always kind of like, didn't know how to accept myself in that position or even call myself a particular title that went along with the services that I would be providing. Don't you think a lot of us though, like in black culture, we experience that? Like so many of us go through. Why do we feel like Dr. Gay that we aren't worthy sometimes of of, um, of like so maybe maybe you can you know take it all the way back to slavery? Yeah, yeah no, seriously. So I, you know, there was a time right when I finished grad school. Uh, I'll never forget it. You know, I remember saying to my mom, you know, it was a certain salary, you know, that I wanted to be able to make. And I say, you know, if I just make this amount of money, then I think I'll be okay. I'll be able to handle my bills and this, that, and the other. And she looked at me as if I just cursed her out. She looked at me as if I was crazy, right? And she said, son, you still don't know your value. And I said, well, how do I figure out what my value is? How, like, who do I go and ask? And how, how do I know? And she said, it's one of those things that you have to set. You set your value. You know, you set the tone. You know, if you set it low, then people don't look at you as low value. You know, if you set it too high, you know, you may think that you're not worth that, right? So your, your value comes from your experience, your substance, and what you're willing to bring to the table continuously. Um, I think the reason why, you know, within our culture, we've always kind of been, well, over the last generation or two, you know, is to be grateful, you know, for what we do get, right? 
And when you're taught to be grateful for whatever it is you do get, uh, you know, if, 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 if you're not allowed to see at the table, be grateful that the crumbs fell down. You know, crumbs are better than nothing, right? You know, and it's a horrible way to see what your contribution is. You know, when we look at our history and our cultural history and the contributions to the world, this world would not exist, you know, if certain periods of time had not happened, if our intellect and, um, you know, our ability to, to entertain and our ability to build, you know, was not there. So, you know, our value to this world, to our society here in America is uh, it's limitless, right? And when we understand that and we find our own space and our own niche and how we can have impact on people, um, then that's when you start to understand, hey, no, listen, like this is this, you know, even to if you're going to pay these people this amount, you know, to speak on this, then you can pay me this amount and I can give you double, right? Um, it's just understanding once you are confident enough to sit at that table and recognize that your seat wasn't just handed to you, you earned it. At that point, that's where you can start putting a dollar amount because you can start to see who's doing what and what the marketplace is, is placing a premium on. So that's that's how you kind of turn the, that, that emotional confidence into actual dollars and cents. That's great advice. Oh, go ahead. I want to ask this is um, even well, really everybody here, like Carrie, Vaughn, and Shanti, like how much too would you say, and Vaughn, maybe from a clinical perspective, you'll be able to answer it first, but then everybody else. Mm -hmm. How much would you say that like imposter, part of imposter syndrome might also be that you're supposed to be uncomfortable when you're doing something you don't know? You know what I mean? So like if it is your first time as a global marketing person in music because you don't like, it's just like being trained. You don't really know this discipline of it yet. You know, kind of like the overarching skills, mm -hmm. but it's supposed to be a little bit uncomfortable or like for Shanti starting Silence to Shame, you're running the foundation for the first time. So you're right. learning in progress. Um, how much of that like is a part of imposter syndrome? And it's not so much the imposter syndrome as much as it is like, learning on on the job training if you will yeah so you know so i guess from a non-clinical uh, perspective some people kind of get stuck at the word go right they stop at the word go so whenever you do start something new it's like taking an apprentice role or something you have to take some time to learn the the lay of the land to learn the ropes right but you don't stay in an apprentice phase for forever at some point you have, at a certain point you have to become the master right the student becomes the teacher uh, but some people do get, you know, fixated a little bit and stuck in that in that space to where, you know, they don't want to get uncomfortable again, right? You know, they they were uncomfortable mm -hmm. learning, they developed a sense of comfort and they want to stay there. And so sometimes that can be a hindrance to you. And I think that some of that imposter syndrome or that feeling that, you know, you may not necessarily be ready or waiting for the perfect time to do something, right? And we know mm -hmm. that there's, you know, no one is ever 100% ready and there's never a complete perfect time to do anything. So uh, just my, my two cents on that, what kind of keeps people from, you know, getting to that next space and understanding that, you know, discomfort can turn to comfort really quickly. And I think a part of like, I'm sorry, Carrie, one sec, if I could just add, like, yeah. when I first started, even in the music business, like when I got my VP stripes, as bad as I wanted them, you know, there were times where I felt like all that I had done, all the artists I had broken and I didn't know if I was truly worthy of that, especially being in those like senior staff meetings, right, with the chairman of the companies and other folks. Um, there was just a level of intimidation for me starting out. And, you know, there were times where, I don't know, I, I just felt like, do I really belong in here? And um, 
you know, I wasn't seeing a life coach or a career coach or a therapist or anybody. I just kind of had to walk through some of that on my own and, 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 you know, try to fake it till I made it in terms of getting comfortable in those type of meetings. Right. And being able to carry myself like a leader. I think oftentimes, like if I had to tell my younger self something, it would, you know, be like, make sure I had, you know, a good mentor on my team to help me navigate through that process. So I think that's with anything in life. Like you got to have somebody help you through these processes. And, you know, it's, it's not your fault if you get scared or if you're fearful. I mean, even people, I think they are like successful, you know, C-suite executives, right? CEOs of even some five, Fortune 500 companies. I'm sure they all have a moment where they feel a little weird or, you know, the imposter syndrome kind of kicks in and they're like, do I really have what it takes? Am I worthy? Or say if your, you know, quarterly numbers come out and they're low and you start questioning yourself. So we all go through it. But I think the important thing is having somebody to talk through just life experiences in general. Um, I wish I had have had, you know, more senior level people that I could have, you know, called on to kind of help me through it. But I was too embarrassed, right, to say that I didn't know it. So you're going to keep moving and figure it out. But it's like, why put us ourselves through that agony? You know, we really do need a process, I think, for navigating through this. I don't know. It's too embarrassed, right, to say that I didn't know it. So you're going to keep moving and figure it out. But it's like, why put us ourselves through that agony? You know, we really do need a process, I think, for navigating through this. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And, and Carrie, for, for you, I want to ask too, because Carrie has also built a um, gray hair product brand um, and is in the process of building that. Um, I'm curious if you creating other proofs of concept and kind of operating in that space and continuing to go, like what Vaughn just said, not getting stuck there because you want to be comfortable. Did that kind of help you remedy? some of that feeling of imposter syndrome? No, I think um, what really helped me with imposter syndrome was uh, therapy. You know what I mean? I really think that therapy really had had a breakthrough for me because it felt like more of a, a, an emotional um, process versus like a tangible, can I do it process. It was the feeling that I didn't belong. You know what I mean? And I think that it first showing up, I think it shows up across the board, right? Like. When you spend so much time in chaotic relationships and then you find a healthy, calm, loving, you know what I'm saying, relationship that's not intense in emotion and, you know, you start to feel like, is this the right relationship for me? You know what I mean? You start to ask yourself questions like that. So starting the gray hair business, although I knew nothing about um, hair care products, I understood at least from an emotional standpoint, um, what having gray hair felt like, you know what I'm saying? The narrative that the, that the media portrays on gray hair. So I, I, I had confidence in that. But as far as like just imposter syndrome in general and how I broke that, I think it was therapy. And I think it was the process, the emotional process that I had to go through to, to, to kind of un, unravel those, those subconscious habit patterns, so to speak. Oh, I want to go back to something too. Um, thank you, Carrie. Uh, I was just, you know, looking at Wikipedia, um, Dr. Gay, and they say that imposter syndrome also occurs in the context of mental illness and its treatment. 
certain individuals may see themselves as less ill, less depressed, less anxious than their peers or other mentally ill people citing their lack of severe symptoms as the indication of a no or a minor underlying issue. People with this form do not seek help for their issues, seeing their problems as not worthy of psychiatric attention. Do you have any thoughts to that? Yeah, I think it goes back to that whole devaluing um, and almost a little self-sabotage as well. Um, you know, when we look at, uh, again, what it is that we present with, you know, not being as important as, you know, other people, then we can kind of develop a behavioral pattern of where we devalue. And as we devalue ourselves, then uh, society will also, our family, our community, and our environments. Um, so I think it's just recognizing that, you know, um, when, it's so it's, it's hard not to compare and contrast ourselves to other people. Um, you know, when other people achieve certain things, we see things on social media that we, you know, maybe places or things that we would like to be involved in ourselves. It's hard not to compare. Um, but we also have to remember that, you know, we are just as special, you know, on an individual level as each other person out here on this earth. Um, and when you keep that mindset in that, you know, if, if other people can do it, then so can you. I think that that is really a, a, a healthy perspective. Uh, to start taking, you know, when you do have some self-doubt. And then also, as you stated, getting a mentor of someone that has actually been in the space that is doing what currently you're doing, what it is that you want to do in the future, they will be able to tell you their story, you know, and talk to you about their journey and how, you know, they've had some low moments and how they had some pitfalls and some stumbling blocks and how they had to maintain, you know, their belief in themselves. And that's how they were able to get to the places that they currently are. That's excellent. That's a, that's a very good point. Um, you know, I, I know that we're working in like very limited time on this topic and it's one that I think we, we need extensive time because I think we've all felt it before. And you can go in um, so many directions on it. Yeah. And we can go in so many directions on it. And I think that the more and more that we also achieve and continue to find new like levels that we want to get to, we'll have to battle it at different points in our lives. Um, but if, the the thing that I wanted to say before I know that we had to end because Vaughn has an um, engagement is like if you could give yourself any advice when you're in that space, um, what would be the advice? Like Shanti, you kind of did it earlier. What would be the advice that you would have given yourself when you're feeling that? Vaughn and then Carrie, and then um, personally, uh, reflection is key. You know, you look at you know where you started at a year or two ago when you had this thought about where you wanted to be. And just measure how much progress you, you, you've done. Uh, you know, I always reflect on a year, five years, 10 years ago, and I just look and see, you know, how far I've gotten. You know, there's been times where I said, you know, I would never be able to do this, that, and the other. And then I do, you know, in a lot quicker time than, you know, I would have thought in the first place. So uh, for me, this, you know, that reflection piece is very important. Uh, it keeps me humble, right? And also helps me to understand that, you know, the goal may be one thing, but the product may look a little differently. But did I still achieve, you know, and the, the ultimate goal was to set out, you know, to work really hard towards something and to bring it to fruition. You know, was that, you know, what did that happen? And a lot of times um, you can actually say yes, if you really are truthfully and honestly with yourself. So that's, that's some of my personal advice. I like the reflection piece as well. Um, I also listen to other stories. You know what I mean? I, I, I'm a big fan of just, you know, secondhand mentorship, you know what I mean? Listening to, to other people's interviews and, and podcast episodes and just things so that you can hear that there's so many similarities in everybody else's story that you kind of perceive as greatness because they've, they've, they've kind of went through their process. But, um, you know, 
you know, and, and to your to your point about um, the gray hair business, I listened to the podcast of uh, uh, Lisa Price, who who created Carol's Daughter, and it sounded a lot like you know what I mean the the process that I'm kind of in the middle of right now. So I think there's a little bit of comfort in knowing that you know there's a community of people who attempted to do the things that you want to do and they left breadcrumbs about the the journey along the way for you to kind of you know kind of tap into so this notion of the imposter of phenomenon was introduced in an article in 1978 and it was taken from an article called the imposter phenomenon in high achieving women and one of the things that the researchers determined was that the imposter phenomenon showcased symptoms related to um, depression, generalized anxiety, and low self-confidence. Even though I know, Vaughn, you said technically it wasn't a mental health diagnosis. There are so many similarities there. That's why I do want us to be able to really revisit this topic mm-hmm. in the future. Because I just think even, you know, when you experience anxiety or having fear in the workplace, you know, there's so many parallels that go along with it. Um, when you think about imposter syndrome and, and why we don't feel like, you know, we have the knowledge and know how to be there, why we undervalue, devalue ourselves rather as women and men in a lot of these arenas and especially, you know, folks that work in entertainment. Um, it's just so many parallels there um, when you think about some of the mental health diagnosis that are out there and and some of the things that we can do to kind of stop feeling like an imposter is breaking the silence um, separate feelings from the act recognize when you should feel fraudulent uh, accentuate the positive develop a healthy response to failure and mistake making uh, write the rules develop a new script and visualize success Vaughn do you want to add anything to that before you go yeah, no, I definitely wanted to say it's one of those things that uh, triggers, you know, so many different uh, true mental illnesses, right? So, you know, we are in an environment where, let's just say when I was at, at uh, Morehouse School of Medicine, you know, our student doctors suffer with imposter syndrome or syndrome immensely. Uh, they were comparing themselves to their classmates. They were comparing themselves to students at other schools and the standards that they have to give them different tests. And they were looking at, you know, uh, what would the average scores of residencies that they wanted to go to and that they've been dreaming about their entire lives. And here they are, right, with their first test and they fail and they say, I'm going to be the worst doctor in the world if I ever graduate. And if I don't graduate, then I'll bring shame on my family. You know, and it just kind of goes down a rabbit hole. And so it, it reinforces itself with that negative thinking, which can kind of lead to uh, depression or feelings of sadness. So as you stated, breaking that silence and, and really being truthful and honest about feelings and fears and reservations in uh, support groups, um, you know, communicating with faculty or different people that, um, you know, are higher ups or can even be in that leadership role, I think is really important to address it. Yeah. I, I, any, any final words, Free? No, I definitely agree. And I think that once I was able to recognize that a part of the process is like the figuring it out, um, I was able to be a little less difficult on myself for not knowing or and being able to be honest in spaces where I just didn't know and not feel like I'm an imposter because I don't know right now. You know what I mean? Like, so that kind of like in training learning thing that I was asking about earlier um that reflection and keeping people around you who are also growing who are also facing it in their own ways and other spaces makes me feel a lot more confident about the things that i'm doing and we're, it's kind of like the each one teach one kind of feeling absolutely absolutely well oh, our time has come to an end so sad 
we have to thank Dr. Gay again for um, being a part of this important conversation. We are going to talk a lot more about it. Um, again, as, as we mentioned, um, Free and I are ramping up our recordings, and we're going to be talking about this and so many other incredible topics. Carrie, thank you so much for joining us today, Young King, thank and you being having. with us. Um, we wish you nothing but success on everything you're doing at Sony and with your personal ventures and we're just excited. You know, May is coming up. May 5th is National Silence of Shame Day. So we're going to be, you know, having a lot of programming, virtual content and different things going on. So you guys have to definitely check back in, you know, make sure that you check out our website, silenceofshame.com. We also have some other really amazing content on our YouTube page under Silence of Shame TV. And just get ready for May, which is Mental Health Awareness Month. So much to do, so much to talk about as we continue to silence the shame. Free, how can everybody reach you and how can they follow us? Um, I am at Free the Vision everywhere that you are. And uh, you can reach me that way. Also, be sure to rate, subscribe, and comment um, on our podcast and share them too. And there's also even links to our, all of our social media in our description. So that is... Um, Silence to Shame on Instagram and at a Silence PH Shame on Twitter and Facebook. So please tap in with us and stay locked in. Vaughn, how can we follow you and in, in the work that you do with your practice? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at the ATL LPC. That's a really good landing page for me to be able to get on my link tree and follow my website. Uh, you can also follow us at uh, www.holisticatlanta.com. Also Holistic Atlanta on IG and uh, LinkedIn, I believe, for all now. So I'm um, looking forward to growing and expanding our company. Thank you so much. And Carrie, how can we follow you? Carrie Classic on everything. Carrie Classic, Classic with a K. Hey, I love yeah. that. That's dope. And you can follow me at ShantiDoss404 on Instagram and Twitter. And I forgot, we forgot to mention that we're on Spotify now. So big up now. to expansion. Thank you, mm -hmm. Free, for making that happen. That's exciting. I mean, we, we mm -hmm. about to be everywhere, y'all. We about to be worldwide, shawty. It's, it's coming it's coming but thank you again for um for tuning in today and and thank you for listening we hope that you'll share this information with colleagues family members and friends make sure that you get someone on your team um and when i say on your team like on your wellness team right in your support system whether you're just starting out and you're an assistant or whether you are a vp or evp or president or entrepreneur starting your own business we all need to surround ourselves with people that can help us. And whether that's somebody like Dr. Gay as a therapist or my good friend, Sherry Riley, who is um, an executive coach. And it's so, excuse me, so many other people that do great work from a coaching perspective that can help us through, you know, imposter syndrome, who, if we think we're experiencing it or anxiety, or we feel like we're lacking the self-confidence. Let's get some people that can help us on our journey to be great. Cause at the end of the day, we, we want you to be great. We want you to be healthy. We want you to be whole. And guess what? We want you to continue to silence the shame. Absolutely. Absolutely. I like that. And you know what? I want to say this real quick to, to Carrie because he's been here with me and we've been doing this together for so long, like pursuing our goals. Um, me and Carrie call it having like a board of advisors like a personal board of advisors you, you have go. to have your squad so yeah there you for go. sure yeah. and with that peace out peace